Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Marnie Svedberg, and I welcome you to Marnie and Friends, a place where leaders share practical, helpful, and encouraging ways to get anything important done faster, better, and smarter. Right now, I encourage you to sit back, buckle up, and join us for fun, laughter, practical help, and clear thinking, the kind of discussion that focuses our attention off of the fluff and onto the most important stuff in life. Again, welcome to Marnie's Friends. Let's get going. Hey, welcome back. This is Marnie Sweber. Happy to have you with us this afternoon for a wonderful program of character leadership training with our guest Sherry Poundstone of FocusWomen.org. This afternoon during this program or whenever you're listening, and welcome to all of you who are listening to Archives of Syndicates after the live show, but today welcome to all of you who are here live. We're going to cover topics like what character is and why it matters, the secret test to know if you are leading with integrity, where character comes from in leadership, how to operate as a leader in full authority, the one often underestimated value by leaders, how to adapt it for yourself, why you must lead with, in, and from a position of forgiveness, how to think about God's image and character versus your own, and the importance of your words and how to control your tongue. Our guest today is Sherry Poundstone. She's the founder and director of Focus International, a ministry for women. Sherry's passion is for teaching biblical principles and organizing leadership teams through teaching Bible studies, conference speaking, writing, and mentoring. She's the host of Coffee in the Word, and she's also a contributing writer to several online magazines and blogs. Sherry and her husband, John, are the founders of Bethesda Reno Tahoe Ministry, and John is currently serving as senior leader of Restoration Church in Fernley, Nevada. Welcome to you, Sherry. Oh, thank you for having me. So excited to be here and talk about character. Yeah, and you are you're just a, such a great one to do this. You've just been mentoring leaders for a lot of years and have really um, grown up in your own uh, in your own right as a as a leader, but also as someone who is really skilled to train this. So I'm so excited to have you. And maybe just before we start. Uh, the motivation for having you on today was you've recently come out with a new program called Becoming a Woman of Character, which is a one- to two-day workshop, and then it's followed up with a 12-week um, Bible study book, and that's coming out this fall, so you guys want to check that out over at focuswomen.org. Sherry, as we're talking about the character of leadership, let's just start by addressing character for a bit. And, you know, in America, for sure, we've had huge discussions about does character even matter, especially when it comes to residents and, you know, things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion about what it is and if it matters. So maybe let's just start with that. That sounds great. Well, you know, I, the funny thing is that this kind of came to me as a as a program and as a teaching and as a Bible study just a little bit at a time because as I mentored women and leaders and, uh, you know, women in ministry, I found that a lot of the issues were actually lacking of character. And that's not to condemn anybody. That's not to say anything is bad or anyone is bad, but just that we have to develop this character. So what character actually is, it's who we are when no one's looking. Um, It's who we are when no one's around to give us kudos, when no one's around to pat us on the back, when no one is around to see what we're actually doing. Now, Webster says that it's our moral and ethical quality, our moral state, and I believe that's true. But as Christ-following leaders, there's a little bit more to it. There's actually a lot more to it. Um, We need to know what God's character is, and we need to reflect that in what we do. We want our character to actually match up 
with who we say we are. And so we need to develop this and display character of strong Christ-centered leaders. I always like to quote Dale Carnegie because he said, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are. And there is a big difference. Mm. Yeah, right. Huh. That's really good. I think about I think about all the people who have well, I, I'm thinking about one person in particular just now, a comment. Um her mother in law worked for me as a my personal assistant for a while. And this daughter in law said to the mom, I don't want to meet her because I've been so disappointed by people like her before. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, and that's really wow. That's really a scary a scary assessment of people in leadership. It is. It is. And it's something yeah. that's actually very common, way too common, um, that people are not operating for, uh, you know, from a point of a strong character. But my husband is always teaching this, and, I, and I've actually borrowed this from him today. You know, you can create a business, you can create a ministry, and you can put yourself in a position of it. If your character is not developed, you will not stay there. God's not going to allow us to stay in something that our character just simply won't support. Right, and it's just a, it's just a matter of time. I, I'm working on uh, my new book's coming out here shortly called Flow Through Vessel, and I, I was working on, you know, the the difference between letting God flow through us versus trying to just look like him, mm. <laughs> you know? And, yes, and one yes. is fraud, one is fraud, and the other one is really powerful. I mean, it, it's not only fellowship with God for us, but it allows God to fellowship with others through us. So, I mean, there's this opportunity for us to truly have a God-like character, not because we've tried hard to get one, but because God is flowing his life through us, and that's that's huge. So when we think about character, it's this, it's this part of us that the moral fiber or whatever, I, I love that definition, what, we're, what we are when no one's looking. So, mm-hmm. like, do you have, like, do you have, like, a litmus test or a way for people to identify <laughs> to identify um, how theirs is doing? Well, I think that's a really good question, and I think it kind of differs with everyone, but there are some basics. You know, we're women and leaders of integrity, we're women of honesty, and um, throughout the whole Bible study that I've written, you know, we take a different section um, and, and really go into each um area and kind of develop that and show us how to develop. But I think we really can just start by pursuing um, God and saying we choose to become leaders of strong character and so help us, Lord, and actually pray to him. You know, So choose to pursue that process and ask him to help you. And then we need to get humble before the Lord and really accept the truth that he tells us. You know, I always tell women, when you ask the Lord to show you truth, be ready, because a lot of it will be about you. We always think it's going to be truth about something else. So we need yeah, to get right. humble before the Lord. You know, Deuteronomy 8.2 said, Remember how the Lord, your God, led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. And of course, the Lord was testing the children of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years. And I use that scripture right here because I think if we don't get humble, we aren't able to even receive or hear what God's telling us about our character and where we may need to improve. Mm-hmm. I think about Jesus being willing to be led out into the wilderness to yeah. learn obedience, which is kind of a weird thought. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, we mm-hmm. think, you know, we think he probably just came equipped with obedience, but just right. like he had to learn right. how to walk and how to talk and how to eat and mm-hmm. how to how to be a carpenter and all that, he also had to learn obedience at different levels apparently than than he than he came equipped with. And 
So as a leader, that humility is just huge, the willingness to say, I don't know everything. I don't have my act all together. I still mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. need God. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes. And, it's, and we is really there have like to a, get humble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there like a secret test to know if you're leading with integrity? Um, I think the basic there is, are you the same person everywhere you go? Are you the same mm. person at church as you are in the grocery store, as you are mm. leading your team, whether it's in work or ministry? Are you the same person with your family that you are these other places? You know, Because integrity means being complete or undivided. It means a state mm. of being whole if you look at the dictionary. It really just means being the same leader in all situations. So if my team sees me at Walmart or at the grocery store, they're going to know that they're going to see the same person there that they saw in the last leadership meeting we did or they saw when I spoke at the last conference. So I think that's the very first thing is let's look at who we are in all situations. Are we the same? It doesn't mean that we're not more comfortable in certain situations, so we're going to be more relaxed. Because integrity means that, you know, when a person looks at us, they know what they're going to get. I think that that's probably what that young lady was referring to when she mm-hmm. was scared mm-hmm. to, you know, come meet me, is that she was mm-hmm. afraid that I would be a disappointment to her, that I would be different than I propose or present myself to be. And it is really important that whether you take your kids with or your spouse with or whatever, that you are, you are, you know, I, I love the word consistent and when I was first young parenting, um, I hated that word because I would hear it all the time. The key to the key to great parenting is to be consistent. And I was thinking consistent was like do it exactly the same every time. But consistency is more like if people if people know you and they would they would dare to guess how you would respond, you've done it consistently enough that way that they're probably right. You know, that there's that there's this stability to you that people don't have to be forever guessing how you might respond. Um, but there is this there is this uh, stability, and and I think about you know, like what you said. Some situations you're more comfortable, other situations you're not so comfortable. I think about the difference between me talking to you on the air versus talking to someone across a table in a quiet restaurant versus being on a platform talking to a group. I mean, my tone. Sure. My energy level, of course, is going to be completely different in those three scenarios, but I'm still me. I'm still mm-hmm. consistent in who I am and what I'm saying and what I believe. And I think that's yes, what you're absolutely. talking about. I like, I like that a lot. And, and I think it's something that provides, mm, it provides a sense of safety, doesn't it, to the people who are following yes. us. Yes. Yes, because they know what you know what they're going to get as far as who how you're going even how you're going to react to something or from what basis you're going to make a decision. You know, it, it kind of means doing the right thing for the right reason. It doesn't mean being perfect by any means, but um, but mm-hmm. it's when people see that and they see you striving to be the same everywhere you go and to um, then they can trust. It's it's really a trust issue there. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of masks that are being worn, aren't there? Uh, where, you know, we're, I, I always like to think, you know, God knows me best and loves me most, that he is so comfortable with my frailty. Um, and I, I, I think about when we, we went and took a tour of a amethyst mine several years ago, and there was this huge, huge wall of granite, 
and in amongst the granite were these veins of amethyst. But you, like just for me looking at that wall, I could hardly even see the amethyst. All I could, almost all I could see was granite. But the amethyst miner, I mean, he was so excited because that wall was full of granite. From his or from for amethyst, he was so excited because that wall was full of amethyst. And uh, and I I marveled at that, and I thought that's really how God sees us. He recognizes that we are full of junk that has to be gotten rid of. But it doesn't put him out or discourage him. Or, you know, whatever. And with the amethyst analogy, it was amazing because he said that they can't use, they can't use drills or, or um, you know, jackhammers or anything. They had to use powerful water guns because otherwise it would, it would hurt the amethyst. And I thought, wow, this is like how God does it with us, you know. The powerful water of the word, you know, breaks away the bad stuff and, you know, off it goes and, and, and we go forward. And we, if we can truly believe that God loves us right here, right now, however broken we are, then we are able to be our authentic self with God and with others. And and it really gives people the security to know that God is a God who can love them too. And, and I think right. we do a huge... Mm-hmm. Right. We do a huge disservice to people mm-hmm. by pretending we've got it all together. That's right. That's right. And I think that, you know, being transparent... Um, is helpful too because like the young lady that you've used as the example today, I think what happens is people just go, look, I've been disappointed before. I don't believe this person's the same person everywhere they go, which means they lack integrity and um, and there's no trust there. So we need to be a little bit transparent there too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good. Okay, this is, <laughs> this is Marnie Sledberg. We're visiting today with Sherry Poundstone of FocusWomen.org. We're going to come right back and talk about where power comes from in leadership and how to operate as a leader in full authority. We'll be right back. Womenspeakers.com is the largest online directory of Christian women speakers in the world, featuring over 1,700 women speakers from every experience level, denomination, and fee range, some near you. Visit womenspeakers.com to find the perfect speaker for your next event or to get training to be a speaker, author, or media personality. All training and connections occur online anytime you have time. Find a speaker, add a speaker, or become a speaker at www.womenspeakers.com. Do you lead a women's Bible study or know someone who does? Check out BibleStudyExpo.com. That's www.BibleStudyExpo.com. Here you'll meet the authors of the most recently released Bible study books for women. You'll meet Liz Curtis Higgs, Lisa Devere, Pam Farrell, Elisa Morgan, and dozens of other Bible study book authors. Each author is given 15 minutes to share the story behind her book, her ideal audience, and a little bit about the study's format so you can decide which Bible studies you want to introduce next. It's all available to you free and online at www.biblestudyexpo.com. That's www.biblestudyexpo.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie and our guest today, Sherry Poundstone, is with us talking about the character of leadership. And you can learn more about Sherry over at her website, focuswomen.org. Sherry, let's go ahead and talk about where power comes in leadership because I feel like whether you're parenting children or leading a corporation or maybe leading a country or a ministry or whatever, um, we can get really confused about where our authority comes from. And the authority and the power comes from the Lord. Um, You know, he has to be our source of all of that. One of the things I like to focus on, however, when we're talking about this and the power, 
is actually going to honesty because in Proverbs 12:22 it tells us that lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. And so being an honest leader, and, and, and sometimes we confuse or rather try to put integrity and honesty in the same category, and they're really kind of different. They're connected, but they're different. To be honest is to tell the truth <laughs> in every way. Mm. And I think that this is where power comes from leadership. It's where, um, you know, your authority is from God, but if we're honest with him, with ourselves, and with others, and we follow him and we are honest in everything that we do, there's more power in that than just about anything that we can do, anything that we can grab hold of. I've seen a lot um, in business and in ministry of dishonesty in leaders. Um, sometimes, you know, you could make all kinds of excuses. You could say, oh, well, they didn't know, whatever. But if the power in leadership comes from the Lord, then we need to be walking, you know, according to his word, and honesty is one of the things. I've seen people get promotions because they did not, um, they weren't honest in their um, applying for those things, even though they could do the job. Maybe they were the best person, but maybe they didn't have all the qualifications and they um, did not tell the truth. I've seen all kinds of things happen. Unfortunately, I've also seen this, of course, in ministry leaders. So we need to, as leaders of character, and to have that character trait of honesty is probably one of the most important things. When we live a life of honesty, when we lead with honesty, we're trusted. And, of course, integrity goes with that. And it's rampant, honestly, Marnie, in our society, cheating and dishonesty are just rampant. There have been so many studies done, and the statistics are very revealing and, and kind of astounding. I was talking to a young man recently, and um, he was a man of, of God, and he had gone to work with a crew um, that was mostly mostly un, uh, unsafe guys, and he was astounded by the level of dishonesty that no matter what they were being asked, why did this happen, how, you know, did you do that, whatever, he he was just shocked at how fast they could spin lies and they could just spin an entire story <laughs> out of nothing in just seconds. And it was just took his breath away, the level of skill that these guys had at being dishonest. So how would you how would you differentiate between honesty and integrity then? What is the difference between the two? Well, actually, to me, it's very simple. Integrity, as I said, is, you know, being the same person, showing the same character traits everywhere you go, um, not being confusing to people. Honesty is really telling the truth. It's living a life of truth. Now, again, those two things are connected, but in the honesty area, for instance, some of these statistics that we've seen, um, we don't just accept what the world is saying right now, that 74% of high school students had cheated on an exam. This is a primetime news online article. I didn't do this, this was secular. 74% excuse me, have actually cheated on an exam. We don't accept that as if we're following Christ, we're just not gonna say that's okay. So we pursue our ministry, our leadership, our corporation, whatever we're leading as Christians, where that is just not acceptable, and we don't, we set the example, and we simply tell the truth to others that we're leading, to the people we're leading, to the ones that are leading us, to people around us, to doing things that are just completely honest. The sad part about that primetime prime time news article that was just really revealing to me was this was not just um, public schools, this was also Christian and private schools. 
Mm. And one of the shocking things was that parents were okay with a lot of it because, gosh, they needed to get into a good college. So Mm -hmm. it's just pretty scary. But as leaders of honesty, we just do not accept that. We're not going to go with that. We're going to go with what the Lord says, and we are going to be honest with God. He knows everything anyway. We're going to be honest with ourselves. I think that's really important, and honest with others in our work. And um, we can actually develop this character trait that when people say, oh, look, there's so-and-so, they're also the same person everywhere they go. They tell the truth, they're kind, whatever it is, and they know that that's, you know, that's reflecting Christ. Why do you feel like honesty has power attached to it? I think it has power attached to it because it is something that God has commanded us to be, to not lie. And when we follow him, it has his power. It really has nothing to do with our power. We have his supernatural power when we are honest. When we're following his word in any way, we have his supernatural power. We're honoring him, um, and we are honoring others by doing that besides honoring ourselves. And so I think the power, you know, again, I always go back to it. The power is his, and um, I just do everything I can every day to walk in that power, to pull on that power, because I know I can't do it myself. Right, right. As you were talking, I was thinking it's it's sort of a faith issue as well. Uh, It takes courage to be honest. Um, Sometimes, you know, if you told a lie, you feel like maybe that could advance something more quickly or whatever. You really, uh, it really is a test of faith to say, I will always be honest. I will always tell the truth, even if it hurts, even if it, you know, and I say hurts you, but even if it seems to hurt you in the moment. um, Right. That that you're going to make that choice by faith that God is bigger than whatever the circumstance is, the facts. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. When I'm teaching this to women, I always get this same question, like, oh, my goodness, does that mean I have to tell them I don't like their outfit when they ask me if they have <laughs> like or their haircut? And you know what? That is a really big deal with women when I'm teaching them. And the truth is, no, you don't have to lie in that circumstance either. You just do everything from a humble standpoint, a kind standpoint. So um, I really believe, you know, Colossians 3, 9 says, don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. And so it's pretty clear. Right. And there and there are just loving ways. There are just loving ways to yes. honestly not be rude. <laughs> So, yeah, we're not saying just walk up to everybody and forget to act and throw that out the window and just be crude and, you know, just blurt out, oh, my goodness, you look awful or whatever. But I think that the honesty, the honesty comes more, the honesty comes more in when we're in a situation that will be intimidating for us and we want to cover up. It's a cover up that we're trying to not to do, not uh, not throw stones at people. So so how does that, how does a leader... How does a leader operate in full authority then? One of the things that I believe that's overlooked sometimes and is just not um, given enough uh, emphasis is submission. We need to be submitted. And I always call this the S word because it has Uh such a bad rap. (laughs) It has such a bad rap. Submission, I call it perverted submission doctrine out there. But a leader Mm. of character is going to submit to God, not just in our head, but in our actual lifestyle. And and it gets a bad rap, that word. And so you might think when you hear that, that, oh, gosh, if I'm going to be submitted, that means that someone is going to control me or someone is going to walk over me. But it's the opposite because real, true, biblical submission is total freedom. And as leaders, 
we need to submit to God first. As I've been talking, the power comes from him. And as leaders, we can operate in the full authority that God's given us if we're submitted to him. And again, submission also goes to, um, of course, we're submitted to him first and then whoever's over us. And every leader has a leader, by the way. (laughs) Um, Uh And whoever we're... um, uh, leading also needs to understand true submission, biblical sub- submission, not this perverted stuff that's out there saying that someone will step on your head or control you. So healthy submission to God and to our spiritual teachers and our leaders, you know, it's going to make us a better leader. It's going to open our heart, it's going to open our mind, and it's going to actually give us freedom to take in what God wants us to learn and what he wants us to teach others also. It does come full circle back around to faith again, too, that you need to trust that God is worthy of submitting to. And if you've had people in your life who were in positions of authority who took advantage of you in any way, you'll have a more difficult time trusting God just because you've had poor examples. Uh, especially, you know, if you've had a if you've had an abusive father uh, figure, you know, God is a, he's the perfect ultimate father. But if your father wasn't a good dad, um, you know, it's it's very tough for you to believe that any dad could be that great. But the reality is that your dad was not God, and God is God, and he is so worthy of our trust, and he is fully capable of using your life without abusing you. Maybe just talk talk about that for just a couple minutes, because there's such a... I, I agree with you that submission is such such a uh, scary word for girls. Now, I mean, it's just like you don't want to go there. Uh, but but it isn't a bad word. It's a very it's a very good word. It's a it's a very freeing word. It is a freeing word. And when we submit to God as leaders, what it means is we basically are submitting and saying, "You're God. I'm not. I'm teachable now. I want you know. I'm open, Lord, to to learn. I want you to." to teach me, and we put ourselves in a position that we can learn and we can grow, we can allow him to stretch us. That's total freedom, and that's going to make us a better and more powerful leader um, with God as our guide. And the other thing, again, we come back to being humble. I think that's really important. We need to understand that submitting to God means to be humble to him. And that's the recognition, again, that he's God and we're not, you know, and comparing uh, who we are to him. And that character, our character is built as we humble ourselves. It also means that we're flexible. When we submit to God as a, as a leader, we are flexible because we're going to listen to him. We're going to allow him to guide us. And if we have to make a change, we make a change. If we want to turn left, you know, but he wants us to turn right, we go right because we're submitted. And, um, and then we submit to one another. And I think all of these things make us a stronger leader and we, we set such a wonderful example because if we show healthy submission, which was true submission to God is healthy, then we can actually teach the people that we're leading in whatever venue it is, our family or our work or our ministry, that it's okay to be submitted, that there's actually total freedom in it. Yeah, I love that. I I even take it like um, the actual results of things. When I'm submitted to Christ, I often say this to him. (laughs) I say to God, I didn't break it, and I can't fix it, but I'm available uh, to you. <laughs> because it's that's so good. freeing. Yes, yeah, so is, freeing mm-hmm. to recognize mm-hmm. that I was just acting in obedience. Whatever result I'm looking at right now is really not my problem. It's really God's, mm-hmm. God's situation for him to 
solve. And if he wants to use me to help solve it, fine. Um, if not, fine. I can just go on. And I just love the freedom of that. And I actually had the opportunity to learn that in my marriage, which a lot of gals have never had. But with my husband, he really honestly did take the responsibility for the family. And I was able to just entrust the burden of caring for our family to him. And, yeah, I would do whatever he asked me to do to the best of my ability, but I was able to just trust him with carrying the weight of it. And, honestly, it was such a beautiful picture and still is to me of how God carries us all the time. And for those of you listening who have never had anybody carry you, who have never had a good dad or a good spouse who really took care of you and really um, was protective of you and did, you know, make sure that things were prepared for you and cared for you, um, it's going to be harder to trust that God can be trusted, but he can. He is the one that is the most trustworthy, and he's the one who put the longing for someone like that in your heart. And so to run to him and submit to him is going to be the greatest joy in your life um, when you recognize that he is so faithful. And he won't always do it the way you want, but he will always do it the best way. Oh, that's so cool. Sherry, uh, this is so great. We're going to take a little break and come back, and we're going to talk about the one often misunderstood or maybe underestimated value that leaders sometimes overlook and how to adopt it for yourself, and also why you must lead with, in, and from a position of forgiveness, which is so important. We'll be right back. What's your next step? Are you tired of scouring the internet to find the training you need to take you from where you are today to where you want to be? Stop searching and start moving towards your goals with over 150 targeted training modules available to you at Marnie.com. You can learn how to speak, how to write, how to get published, how to get media coverage, and so much more. All available at Marnie.com. That's M-A-R-N-I-E.com. Are you enjoying every single bite eating with God? If not, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's eatingwithgod.com. Discover the easiest, most enjoyable way to move from where you are with food today to where God wants you to be in His perfect time and way. There are free daily bite recordings available to you at www.eatingwithgod.com or you can purchase the entire set of Daily Bites, 31 individual daily MP3 words of encouragement, plus the book, Gasping for Grace, 31 daily devotionals for discouraged dieters. To start moving towards your God-given ideal weight, visit www.eatingwithgod.com. That's www.eatingwithgod.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg, and we're visiting today with Sherry Poundstone of FocusWomen.org. Sherry, let's talk about... um, you know, there's sometimes things that are really obvious, you know, uh, in leadership, and then there's things that are maybe not so obvious. So let's talk about one of the underestimated things that a leader should be aware of. I believe that um, kindness is one of the character traits hmm. that should be underestimated. <laughs> because as leaders, we have to do some tough stuff sometimes, you know, and, and God's given, a, given us an assignment or a vision for us to complete that or to to walk through it with a team, sometimes we have to do some things that are not easy. And so coming from a standpoint and having that character trait of kindness is so important. Um, There was an interesting study done, 37 cultures around the world um, and over 16,000 people were asked what their most desired traits were in in a mate, in a future mate. And 
for both sexes, the very first preference was kindness. And so mm, I think what wow. that shows us is in the world, how important is kindness? Well, it's everything. Mm. I mean, it, it really is. Um, if you have a leader who they can come to you and they can do something that is probably not easy, maybe correcting you, maybe disciplining, maybe just changing the way um, something is supposed to go. But if it's done with kindness, it changes everything. And so we have all the honesty, the integrity, all those things are very important. But as we walk it out, as leaders of character, I think we, we must develop that desire to be kind. And I say develop the desire because, you know, it, yes, kindness is the fruit of the spirit. And so we would hope that we would always have that. But as humans, sometimes that's something that if we're trying to get a job done, we might not think about that. We want it to be second nature that everything we approach as a leader is done with kindness. Hmm. Can you think of a way to define kindness without using the word kind? I mean, what what really is it when it's played out in real life? Um, I believe that we could say putting someone else's feelings first or just hmm. being aware of them. The dictionary actually says it's being warm-hearted and considerate. Hmm. And oh, I love the word warm-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. do, too. and I think that, so that, if we can just keep that in mind, that that's something, and, and we do have to work at this as humans, and especially if you're a strong leader and you want to get the job done and you have a plan, A, B, C, D, sometimes we can come across a little bit um, maybe harsh or unkind, not even meaning to. So I believe this is something that's really overlooked. You can get a lot done with a smile, and you can get a lot done kindness. Hmm. I think that it is difficult to keep that in the forefront just because of um, it, the many balls that you're juggling and you're trying, you know, you're focused on the the end results, and then someone will, you know, have have things that you know kind of trip trip that up or slow it down or whatever. And it's difficult in those moments to be kind. One of the things that I've I've seen with leaders, and I think that this really helps. Well, it can it can work both ways. But if you've taken the time to actually do the job of the people that are underneath you, that are reporting to you, um, it does have the ability to increase your um, appreciation of them and of the challenges they faced. If you've never done their job, um, I can remember when I first started programming uh, websites and uh, some of my programmers would take so long to do a job that I thought should have been done very quickly. And I can remember being harsh with them, like, what took you so long? You know, how would this take so long? And later on, I realized, oh, my goodness, they did it really fast. (laughs) You know, it was a misperception of the difficulty of the task. And I feel like a leader who hasn't, um, not that every leader needs to do every job underneath them, but there needs to be an awareness that if you don't know what's going into that job, or if you don't know the obstacles placed in the way of a person today or this week or this month or this year, you really aren't a perfect judge of how difficult it is for them to do their job. And we can really establish a lot more uh, willingness, like you said, to be kind just by trying to put ourselves in their shoes instead of always just looking at what was supposed to get done. I agree with that completely. I think that's so important. And I think also it's sometimes kindness is um, taken to appear weak if, if, if a person is kind. Unfortunately, sometimes it might be that they're passive or they're weak, but I believe it's just the opposite because it takes courage sometimes to be kind in certain situations. And I think you're right about the leader knowing what the jobs are 
And again, you don't have to do every single task, but you have to just have an awareness. It makes us so much, it's so much easier to be kind if we know what they might be facing, you know, and a leader that um, displays the kindness, the, the character trait of kindness, I think, is a powerful leader, not a weak one. Yeah, and and this can be used the other way too. In fact, I just saw it uh, last week used the other way where someone had had the position of the person that was serving them and they felt like they could have done it so much better and so they were very harsh with her. <laughs> and it was like, oh, well, this can go both ways. You know, you have to make a choice whether you're going to be kind with that information or whether you're going to use it to pummel people. And and that that always is a choice. There's a there's a difference too between being nice and being kind. Um, you know, nice is going to be like your girls who were asking, you know, do I have to say that? Then <laughs> I, I don't like their outfit, you know. I mean, right. nice, nice is different. Nice is different from kind, and kind is a very, very powerful, very strong place to live. Whereas nice can be really a um, kind of a cop out and a cover up, and, and they're yes. not the same. No, they aren't. And I think to be to keep to be kind, we have to keep our hearts. I think it's a heart issue there. I mean, we can say nice words, but if we're really right. going to be kind, that comes from our heart, keeping our heart soft, tender toward others, and allowing ourselves to feel compassion um, for the situation. You know, and again, it's the fruit of the spirit, so it's important for us to focus on. And um, really, in this area, I believe we have to ask Jesus to help us keep a tender attitude and a soft, uh, pliable heart toward others and looking for opportunities to be kind, you know, recognizing, Lord, help me <laughs> help me to recognize when this is an opportunity to make sure that I am kind in this situation. Yeah, I love it. I do love the word warm-hearted, and it reminds me of the verse in the Bible that says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance, yes. which is kind of a thing that maybe doesn't cross a leader's mind when they're trying to get something done. Mm-hmm. But kindness is a very powerful motivation for people to serve you with their whole selves, um, it's it's much more powerful than discipline or consequence. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And there are so many examples all through the Bible of um, amazing kindness. There are so many stories. And my very favorite one is um, in Acts 9, verses 36 through 39. Actually, it goes a little longer than that. Um, Dorcas and, um, and just the fact that she was a kind woman and she really mm-hmm. affected her community and the people around her because of her kindness. And so that's one story that I really recommend people read if they're looking like, well, okay, well, what does this really look like? What does this biblical kindness look like? Yeah, absolutely. Love that. So why do you think that um, it's important for leaders to lead from a position of forgiveness? Well, the bottom line from for that, Marnie, is we are forgiven, so we must forgive. And honestly, if people see that in us, if they know that they can come to us and say, um, we've messed up or we've made a mistake, we've made a poor choice, and you're going to address it, but you're going to forgive, not hold the, uh, the uh, error against them, not stay offended, I think it gives us a powerful standpoint to lead because a lot of times when people hear the word forgiveness, you know, things come to their mind that kind of make them maybe even nauseated, like, oh, no, I'm never going to forgive that person. But we got to understand the um, forgiveness from God's standpoint, and then we need to walk that out because he says, you know, if you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive you. And I think our people that we're leading, and um, I always look for this now in leadership for myself, um, is when we're operating from forgiveness, we know that we're safe. It is, again, a trust issue mm-hmm. and a safety uh, 
um, a safety place. And I think it's so important that people know, hey, if you mess up, we'll fix it, and you're forgiven, and we'll move on. I'm not going to hold this against you. I have, um, we have a family restaurant and a family retail store that I manage, and one of the things that comes up is that um, people will get mad at each other, you know, <laughs> for not doing something mm-hmm. right or the easier way for the next person or whatever. And um, I always talk to them. I always start with, uh, especially when there's just an interpersonal relationship issue between the staff, I always start talking to the person who is offended, and I say, okay, everybody on our team has strengths, and everybody on our team has weaknesses. You do, she does, I do, (laughs) we all have strengths and weaknesses. And so what we're going to do is we're going to try to go to the source of this and get it fixed, but I just need you to know that if this is one of her weaknesses, we're just going to love her and forgive her, and we're going to make it work. It is amazing how people, when they feel safe like that, <laughs> because, yes. you know, it's kind of like when you're talking to a person and they're always gossiping to you about somebody else that you don't feel safe now telling them anything private because you know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> they're right, going to exactly. gossip about what <laughs> you just said. Okay, cause, and uh-huh. that's predictable. And it's the same way with forgiveness. If you are not a forgiver, if you don't have forgiveness in your own life and you're not a forgiver, they're going to worry always that you won't forgive them. And that's a legitimate concern. And it changes how we perform for someone completely. And it's not like it's self-centered that way. It's just the reality of it. It is. But knowing that there's that forgiveness that changes everything. And, you know, in Colossians 3, it, it says make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. And I think what you're just saying, especially in the workplace like that, we have to make allowance for each other's faults and and automatically forgive. And when we do, and sometimes, by the way, that forgiveness isn't automatic. We do have to work through it sometimes. But if we operate as a leader, yeah, what you're doing with your stores and and your people working in your stores, we operate from that standpoint. There's going to be a completely different attitude. There's going to be a completely different um, atmosphere, basically, um, in the workplace. Right, and it goes back to being authentic or having integrity too. Just uh, so you know, yeah. if that's how I talk to them when they came to me with a complaint, then when somebody else comes griping to me about them, I'm going to talk the same way to them, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're going to know that I've got their back, that, yeah, we're going to correct the problem, but we're not going right. to crucify the person, you know. So it's it's really important that we allow people to feel safe. I I was thinking today about Jesus on the cross, and he looked down at the people who were torturing him and killing him, and they knew full well that they were torturing and killing him. And he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Now, he was probably referring to they have no clue that I am the king of the universe <laughs> right now. Right. You know, But they did know that they were torturing him and killing him. They did know that. And he even forgave them for that. And it was a trust issue with God. He could forgive them, not because they deserved it, but because God was big enough to take care of him. And that's the only reason we'll be able to forgive at times. That's the it. Not because the other person deserves it, but because God's taking care of me, I can forgive you. And, you know, we go the step farther, because God has forgiven me, I can forgive you. That's right. Right. And sometimes we don't feel like it. We have to trust the Holy Spirit and we have to have faith. Absolutely. That he's going to give us the ability to, tru- to truly forgive, not just say we have forgiven, but, you know, truly forgive. And when we forgive out of 
by faith, as you're saying, out of obedience, you know, whether we like it or not, um, Holy Spirit will complete the work. You know, we don't have to do any more. Um, so I think that's awesome. And I think, yeah, and I think in leadership too, there's a difference between forgiving someone and entrusting them with responsibility that's more than they yeah. can handle. And oftentimes when you have to apply forgiveness, it's because you as a leader has actually given them more responsibility than they can handle. They're not ready for that much yet or their life circumstances aren't going to allow them to do that for you. Um, and that's that's part of leadership and part of what you talked about earlier. Sometimes if a leader has to do something that's hard and when you can come at that from kindness and forgiveness instead of coming at it from you know just putting them down or uh, criticizing right. them. Uh, it, it, it's received so much differently. And even they may still feel bad about it because they wanted to perform for themselves, for you, for God, whatever. Um, but but if you will come at it from a position of complete forgiveness, that you hold nothing against them for their failure and that you are kind in how you do it, I mean, it can make the total difference for your whole team, really. Absolutely. So good. Mm. Well, we're going to come back and talk about how to think about God's image and character versus our own and also the importance of our words and how to control our tongues. <laughs> it is always a challenge. We'll be right back. Christian Women's Events. At womensevents.info, you can find events to attend. Learn how to plan amazing events for your group or publicize your own upcoming Christian Women's Events. It's all available to you at womensevents.info. Just click your state to find all the major women's events coming to your area or type in the month and year you'd like to attend an event to see all your options nationwide. It's that easy. If you want to promote an event, just click Add Event. Event publicity is available on a per-event basis or free to members. Finally, if you want to learn how to host awesome events, retreats, and well-attended conferences, click Event Planner Training. Once again, it's available a la carte or included in the membership. It's all online and here for you 24-7 anytime you have time at womensevents.info. That's www.womensevents.info. Money troubles got you down? Visit www.godlywealth.com to discover the fastest way to financial peace. You'll gain perspective, biblical training, and clear direction to help you move from terrified to triumphant. It's all free and available to you online at www.godlywealth.com. Not only will you learn a balanced, godly perspective about money, but you'll also enjoy scripture set to music, a wealth roster worksheet, and much more, all free and online at www.godlywealth.com. That's www.godlywealth.com. Welcome back. This is Marnie Swedberg and our guest today, Sherry Poundstone of FocusedWomen.org. is here sharing with us about the character of leadership. Sherry, let's talk now about um, God's image and God's character versus our own. I think this is a really important area to, to look at as a leader. And a leader of character, we know who we are in Christ. He or she knows who she is in Christ, and that's a big Bill. I mean, that's a really popular teaching right now in the church, and the reason identity and knowing who you are in Christ is so popular is the evidence that we don't know who we are is just right. all the time. You know? right. So the image right. of our life, yeah, reflected back to us should look like who God created. And so it, how we see ourselves influences 
how we see others and how we lead others. And I think if we're leaders of character um, and we see ourselves as God created us, then we're able to see others as God created them, and it's going to make all the difference. Some things get in the way. Um, I believe that determining who we are um, by our money or possessions can certainly create a false security Mm -hmm. and can lead us down the wrong path. It's okay to have money. It's okay to have possessions. God wants to bless us, but if we put our identity in that, um, just like the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, um, he really wanted to follow Jesus, but only to a point, because when Jesus asked him to leave his possessions behind, he didn't do it. He couldn't. It says at the very end of that um, story, but when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions, mm-hmm. and he didn't lay him down. So I think that can get in the way of knowing who we are, of, of kind of creating our own image of who we are by putting our faith in our possessions or in our position or in our title as a leader. I almost think it can it can work just as much the opposite way as well. If you don't have money, if you don't have possessions, you can feel like, well, I must be doing something wrong. That God hasn't blessed me with those things, and therefore I'm, I must right. not be able to, you know. But but you're right. That's just our own image of ourselves. There's a prayer I love to pray when I'm confused about something, about anything. I like to pray this prayer. God, speak to me about this from your perspective, <laughs> because. Paul's perspective is so different from ours. It's, it's, you know, it is truly upside down. God can be using the most unlikely, and he loves to do this, the most unlikely people to accomplish, you know, big work for the kingdom of God. And he can sometimes overlook someone who seems and not, not use them, not choose them for that work. And so, you know, we just have to be willing to say, God, you know, who am I in you? And I always teach us that's a, First place we have to start start with the be instead of the do. Who are you instead of what are you supposed to do? <laughs> so I love that. And, and you're right. This teaching is huge and it's really important. Yeah, I am and cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm. So, I think another thing that gets in the way too, if I could just say this real quick, Marnie, yeah, the self-image sure. is the opinion of others <laughs> and what others think of us sometimes really can. Um, influence us to a point where we think that's who we are and it can get us it can actually turn us completely away from who God says we are depending on how much emphasis we can put on it but a lot of time man's opinion people's opinion of us you know is what we base our self-image on Mm -hmm. yeah I think so too and and uh, especially in our culture with um with the way that we with the way that we communicate now, everything is how many stars did it get? You know, I mean, it's like um, that's just, we're all programmed. We're all programmed. We're gonna watch a movie. Well, how many stars did people give it? You know, and it, sometimes it could be a terrible movie, but it has five stars. You know, so okay, we're gonna go for it. So I think we have to really be careful. Who I, I love Chris Tomlin. Uh, um, his his uh, quote about about living. Uh, uh, performing as a way of life is a terrible way to live. And and he's just performing to the audience of one, to Jesus Christ. And, and that is so critical for us to just keep going back to God. And I, I think about, you know, at the end of at the end of the story with the servants, what they wanted and what they what the good servants got was, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that's what really our hearts yearn for that. We, we long for someone in authority to tell us, well done, my good and faithful servant. But sometimes we apply that to a human, and they are not the one we're supposed to be really going for that. Sometimes we get it from them, but um, it's really God 
who's got the final say on whether it's well done or not. That's right. That's right. So important that we see that his his word is final. His opinion is final. Yeah. Right. And to to let his uh, and, and the other the other place we get mixed up here is to compare ourselves to others and to not to compare ourselves to God to say you know yes. well, I'm pretty good yes. compared to so and so well that's not how God's judging you God's judging that's you right. compared to perfection and so we want to say oh no okay I don't look like Jesus here I need I need God in my life I need more of more of Christ flowing through me so I can look like Jesus here so let's talk about the tongue a little bit because wow. As a leader, I think one of the things that's the hardest for me, and and I didn't recognize this for many years, but one of the things that's the hardest for me is that my words as a leader, my words of encouragement are heavier, and my words of correction are heavier than um, someone else in a person's life. You know, I, I just in my position as a leader, I have the ability to crush a soul. <laughs> Not very many words at all, <laughs> you know. Some, something true. they could just blow off easily from someone else. When it comes from me, it really has the potential to help them or hurt them. And that's important as leaders that we recognize that. You know, of course, there's great teachings throughout the Bible. James chapter three, of course, talks a lot about our tongue. And um, but what we say, what we don't say, those are both important. And the way we say it. Um, and mm-hmm. saying the right things at the right time, and all of those things are important as leaders because, as you were saying, you can actually crush someone's spirit or you can encourage them and they can be soaring the rest of the day depending on what we say to them. So our words are so important um, that they're not damaging and hurtful but rather lifting up and encouraging. And, and you can do words of correction with, and if you come at it with the kindness we talked about earlier, and you can do words of correction with the right words that don't hurt anyone. You know, they might be like, oh, gosh, I want to do better next time, encouraging them to do better. But you can you can do the tough stuff with your words, too, as long as we're, you know, aware. And I think a leader of character is, um, this takes a little bit of practice and has to know, we have to know ourselves. And what are our trigger points? When do we need to, um, to stop and wait before we speak, <laughs> not just let something come out? Right. I think we've probably all done that, um, damaging and hurtful words come out. Um, The other thing, too, I want to say here about a leader and words is a leader of character does not gossip. Now, I know we talk about gossip in all kinds of areas, but what I have seen, especially in uh, ministry leadership, church leadership, is an atmosphere where information is exchanged between leaders because they think it's okay because they're leaders talking to leaders, and it actually ends up to look like gossip. And I think it's really as important in leadership as it is in everyday life that we do not gossip, we do not share information that we don't need to be sharing because it can be so destructive. You know, and there's a couple ways that I've heard. One one is, you know, you can do the litmus test of if what I'm saying right now does not have the potential to actually help or fix this problem, I should not be saying it. So that's one litmus test. Another one, and the one that I use all the time, and I use this with everybody that I talk to, whether they're on my staff or my family or whatever, is I say, if the person we're talking about right now was in the room, would we be saying it? Or would we be saying it like this? And if not, then we should not be saying it. And so um, I really I really feel like, you know, as a leader, in this, and this is what I tell um, the people that answer to me, I always tell them, you are going to be the first to know. If I have a problem with you, you 
are going to be the first to know. I'm not going to go talk to anybody else about it. I'm going to come and I'm going to talk to you so you never have to worry where you're at with me. And then if somebody else talks to me about something that you did, you are going to be the first one I come talk to. And what I found, Sherry, is it is incredible how many times there is nothing there. You go and talk to the person, well, they had a perfectly legitimate reason for doing whatever it was, or the other person totally misunderstood. You know, most of the time, it's smoke and mirrors. There's nothing there. It's just not an issue. And when you go directly to the person, just the way the Bible talks, is, you know, then that is where God is able to just come to your assistance and come to your aid. And again, they feel kindness. They feel that forgiveness if there was something wrong. I mean, it's amazing. It's so powerful. It is really good advice. Third party, introducing a third party in any way in a conversation like that, things can get twisted. And so I just, yeah, that's the perfect approach is to go. And when people know that you're going to come to them first, there is a complete trust of like, okay, I'm safe here. You know, once again, that safety and that trust is there because they they know that you're going to come to them first. And I think that's important. Um, In leadership, words are powerful, but also words spoken about that person to another um, can really, it's something to be aware of. And something we need to be uh, <laughs> something about. happened. So, yeah, something happened a couple of weeks ago at one of the businesses, and it was funny to watch the faces of the people involved because I had heard something that someone supposedly said, and I just walked in, and there were several of them there, and I just said, "You know what? I just heard. I just heard that somebody felt like this was going on, and um, you know, do any of you know anything about this?" It was just so amazing how it completely deflated the entire thing. And not only that, but in the future before someone says something that they know is not true, they will know that what's going to immediately happen is I'm going to bring it in the light. And there's a saying that I love, everything in the light says Satan has nothing to use against us in the dark. And it's just, let's just bring it out on the table here and talk to God about it and talk to who the people who are involved or the person involved and let's not go behind their backs and you know use words of kindness oh this whole thing has been so so good (laughs) so fun to have you here and you guys you need to go check out cherry's site it's focuswomen.org and her new uh, book that's coming out this fall is called becoming a woman of character and, uh, Sherry, that one also is available um, in a one- to two-day workshop that people can schedule and bring you Bring you, you or a team. Do they bring you in or a team? Oh, it's be me first, and then we, we hope to develop a whole team will come in. But Yeah, cool. So you guys can contact her over at focuswomen.org. Sherry, thanks so much for your time, and thanks for all this great insight. I know that it's been helpful to me, and I'm sure it's been helpful to a lot of the listeners, too. Thanks so much. Well, thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Well, I love it that you're part of my life. And also, you guys can look up Sherry Poundstone. is also over at womenspeakers.com, and uh, you can check out her profile over there. Well, thank you all for joining us. It's so fun to have you come live, those of you who can come. This program is always on Wednesday afternoons from 3 to 4 p.m. Central Time. And then it's archived after that. uh, And it's also shared through syndicates around the web as well as in the archives at marnie.com. Thanks for being here. I hope you have a wonderful day. See you next time. Bye-bye.